She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. It feels really weird to have these words run in my head, like, oh my god, immigrant, expat, like... Non-resident alien. Non-resident alien. (laughs) That's what we have to put on our tax forms. (laughs) For the American English language, in Who knows what those Brits are saying? Oh my god. And then you just go up to Scotland, and it's it's not even the same language. (laughs) Let's be real. It's it's not English. I remember looking at a map once, and I think that you were born in Reunion Island. No, I grew up in Reunion Island. You grew up in Reunion Island. You were... <laughs> where, where was I born, Alistair? I don't know now. <laughs> was, it, was, was it in the Marseille area? It's in Cannes. In it's Cannes. the festival okay. happened. All right, so New blew that. Festival. Jesus, Alistair. now everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Here we are. Here we are. Two it's another... Dumasses it's... and a mic. <laughs> I was going to change our podcast I name. Know, I was gonna two two... Dumasses and a mic. <laughs> I'm sure that'll get a lot more attention to the podcast <laughs> if we do that. Um, hey, it's another Wednesday, and we're talking about shit. Yeah, we're talking about, uh, well, you're talking about... Um, it was nice. I had the mic today. Yeah, 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 you did. yeah, yeah. Rare time where Julie Roxanne gets the mic. I always like when I get to tell you guys how I am doing. So we're, we're exploring what it's like to be a foreigner in a foreign land and and even more so moving yeah. to a new land and, and calling that your home and everything that entails from, from an emotional perspective, psychological perspective, relationships... Uh, you, yep. you name it. Yeah, I explore the immigration and being an immigrant, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's a very JR episode. Let's get, get into, into it. it. Hello, all you far out people. Well, hello, you out there, way in the back. What's going on? Hey, hey. We're very happy to have you today. We are. We've got a couple updates before we get started about things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, over at Wild Within with my business partner, Kelly, um, we're leading another free book club. It's going to start in June. We're going to be reading the book, uh, The Posture of Meditation by Will Johnson. This is a book you've probably, we've interviewed Will Johnson on this podcast. If you haven't listened to this episode, go check it out. The guy, The guy is a genius. It's a legend. He's a legend. <laughs> this book is is legendary. It's it's a pretty amazing book. We've found it very influential um, and really powerful for our meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be discussing it. And what's going to be really cool is the second call. So there's going to be two calls in June, and I don't remember the dates, but I think they're on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the second call will be at the end of the, the month. But Will is actually going to join us for the second one. It's going to lead a meditation, and then we'll probably have some sort of discussion. So uh, look at us having relationships with authors and shit, (laughs) crushing it. I know an author. (laughs) 
Um, anyway, I think it's going to be really cool. It's a really, it's really powerful book. It's also a pretty small book. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a, it's a pretty easy read. I think it's like a hundred pages. Yeah. Um, so we'd love to have you there. It's totally free. If you'd like to join, um, you can go to thewildwithin.org, go to the community section, find book club, and uh, there's more information there. I'll also include a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Also, over at The Wild Within, uh, Kelly and I are offering our type workshop for the first time this year. We've totally reworked it. The angle is uh, lead from your gifts, and it's specifically for conscious leaders who want to discover and lean into their gifts mm-hmm. and learn how to lead from them, which is something type has helped me do a lot, and I've seen it help you and others do as well. Uh, it's a really powerful leadership tool. Yeah, It's going to be a four-week workshop. We're going to meet on weekends for about two hours. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'd love to have you there. If you know who you are, you know what you can bring to the table. That's right. Yeah, yeah well, self-awareness and just self-awareness and self-knowledge are, are essential to to being a leader. Can you can you tell that this is our jam? Self-awareness <laughs> and self-knowledge. If you if this is not your jam, I would like to know why you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it would be great. Tell us. Uh, yeah, I'd probably get really annoyed at us if, if if those weren't my values. But <laughs> anyway, who are these fuckers? Yeah. So, <laughs> thewildwithin.org. That'll be under uh, Wild Work, mm-hmm. and it'll be in the Personality Work section. I'll also put a link in the show notes at thefarout.life. Well, with that being said, we thought we would today talk about something that I've kind of I've had on my mind, uh, particularly over the last. I don't know, two or three months, but definitely since we've moved here to the great US of A. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am French originally, and I'm only recently uh, an immigrant. That It feels really weird to have these words run in my head, like, oh my God, immigrant, expat, like... Non-resident alien. Non-resident alien. <laughs> That's what we have to put on our tax forms. <laughs> Yeah, I have a paper that says Jesus. that. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, um, it's kind of a trip and I've been really sitting with, with it and I kind of wanted to unpack my early experience as an immigrant and, and what really what I've been reflecting a lot on is like being a foreigner in a foreign land. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really big trip. It, it's a little being a foreigner in a foreign land and also, Deciding to make that land your home, right? Like it's like another step. Oh yeah, other... it's not just like oh, I'm travel. I'm passing through here. It's yeah. like I'm I'm really trying to establish my life here, and it's a whole different uh, ballpark than. I don't know. Traveling. I like that you say ballpark. I know. It well, means see, you're already on the right step. I was already on the right. <laughs> step. Well, this is a good. This is a good way to start this conversation, I think, because. I I have actually a really long-standing relationship with the with the US. Uh funnily enough, I from the from a very early age I found myself attracted beyond measures to the English language. And let me be precise here for the American English language. Yeah. In Who France, knows what those Brits are saying? Oh my ridiculous. God. And then you just go up to Scotland and it's it's not even the same language. Let's be real. They, it's, they, not. it's not English. It's not. I've gone up there. I can only understand one out of every two words they say. It, I wonder how be, many episodes we've riffed, we've like, we did that. <laughs> I, I don't think that many, but it's come up enough. I think it's easier for me to understand Indians than it is to understand Scottish. And here's why. 
because at least we know we don't speak the same language. So we're trying to like, you know, communicate in like gestures and nonverbal ways. But the Scottish expect you to to understand. I remember meeting an, a 60-year-old badass woman traveler in India, and she was from Co Scotland originally. I'm but Scottish, she, so just to say, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I... Yeah, <laughs> she, but she's like, she grew up in Scotland, and she now lives in the U.S., and she was telling me that she had the utmost contempt for Scots traveling because they did not in any way, shape, or form, try to tone the accents down so that people could understand them. Okay, okay, I have to tell, tell a story now. I'm sure we've told this story before, but we should tell it. But we're going to tell it again because it's one you can get a lot of mileage out of. <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling with a Scot for a little while. I think like, this is where it came a, from. A true Scot, I think, I can't remember if he was from, where exactly he was from, if it was Edinburgh, which I doubt because his accent was so is thick. It, was it Glasgow? I think it was Glasgow yeah. because Edinburgh is like manageable. <laughs> Uh, but then you go to Glasgow and you're just like, I'm in a different, I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I was traveling with him in Ukraine. And uh, I remember we met up in, in a small village almost or a small town in like some weird area of Ukraine where like not a lot of people are going. There's yeah. like, there's like one hostel or two hostels and we went out for a meal together. And the woman there actually spoke some English. She was mm -hmm. Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. But she spoke some English, and she was making quite an effort to serve us in English yeah. and, and everything and tell us what the menu was. Yeah. And then he orders, and, and he's speaking to her in, like, thick Scottish, mm -hmm. which I can't even understand. <laughs> I, I literally couldn't. Like, we'd have the—over over dinner, I'd have to ask him almost every other time, like— Can you say that again? I don't know what the hell you're saying. I literally had to say that. And after a while, I just got so, I just had to be blunt about it. Cause like, man, I don't know what you're saying. And, and so he orders his meal with that Scottish accent. It comes out wrong. And, and he gets upset at her as if, <laughs> as if like it's her fault. I was like, dude, she is Ukrainian. And she's making an effort to speak pretty decent English. And you're coming in with a Scottish accent and you're going to get upset at her for like botching the order slightly? Like, come on, man. I feel like this is a great story to tell American people because there's, there's a, there's a portion of American people who are so, um, self-deprecating about their own culture and country, about the fact that, well, no one here speaks a second language and no one makes an effort and everyone just assumes that people should speak English everywhere. Scottish people are worse. Yeah, except for no one should be speaking Scottish anywhere. No, you know? but I mean, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but <laughs> maybe to end on a, on a positive note, Scotland is a beautiful country, <laughs> and the people there are really warm and wonderful. The culture's great. It's a really magical place. And after place. a couple of beers, it all makes sense, right? Like, you all understand each other. It's good. It's all good. Yeah, it's a great place. But uh, maybe work on your English, Scots. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, to go back to my story, um, yeah, so I was... In France, in the French school system, you learn English, but British English. That's kind of the proper English to learn. And uh, I don't know, very early on, I got into a lot of TV shows, particularly Friends. I was obsessed. I'm a total Friends head. If you, if you ask me which season something happened, like, I will be able to tell you which season and probably guess 
pretty well which numbered which number of episodes they I've seen that happen. She she's really good at this. Yeah, I'm, do not uh, play friends trivia with her. It I will, will not crush. Be fun. I will crush you. I yeah. will crush you. I would love to play more friends trivia. If anyone out there is interested, we can organize an online game or something. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, so I got re- I, <laughs> I became really sassy really fast with uh, the level of English I was learning at school. And uh, I was making a point to tell my teachers that they were lame and that they didn't speak the proper English. I bet they loved you for that. Uh, They did, they did. They were, uh, oh, well... I was a pretty nice student in general, but I, I was being that. kind of, oh, come don't on. It for a second. I, oh, come on. I, I'm a girl, so all, already I have an advantage. And okay, now you're being sexist. No, yeah, but that's the truth. <laughs> Anyone who's gone to school can tell you that's that's how it works. Like, girls know. can get away with a lot more than guys I can. I was a pretty great student. <laughs> and I'm a man. I, well, I was a boy then, but. <laughs> not saying boys can't be get great student. That's not what I'm saying. I just say we, uh, we're, we have. Teachers I hear you, a I hear you. You're saying you're better. You're no, better. I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the anyway, back, uh, And so, um, yeah, so I had this, like, strong relationship with the language at first, but then it became much more than that because very early on, maybe when I was, like, 10 or 11, I... I I wanted to learn the slang. I wanted to learn what people were saying, like how people were really talking, because I could already notice the vast differences between what I was learning in school and what I was hearing on the TV. And it made, I realized that it was way more inspiring and interesting to learn the the street English than the the school English after a a while. What strikes me about your story whenever you tell it is that you know, you weren't just trying to learn English to travel or because it was a it was the best second language to learn for business or, yeah. or for communicating with others, right? It, you seem to have a pretty deep fascination with the American culture. I do. And and I think it, I also, in general, I'm pretty fascinated with pop culture, just yeah. from afar. Like, I'm, I'm not, like, super engrossed in it, but I just think it's a really great metric to understand a culture in general to, like, and to understand the... rapid fluctuations and evolution of a culture is to look at pop culture. And so I, for instance, I know songs and kind of, you know, TV show theme songs and things like that because they were brought up in Friends as this, like, you know, basis of of humor you know like oh yeah this is this is the pop culture of the moment and this is the joke we're making so i know a lot of that shit even though i don't have any understand i've never seen for instance like there's a musical i know a song from the musical i've never seen the musical like Mm -hmm. these kind of things and so there was just some a fascination that was i think is always um kind of shocked people or like i've i remember when i was like so I was fluent by the time I was like 13 or 14, like really completely fluent. I was watching TV shows without subtitles. And I remember the one day where I realized, okay, I'm, I'm actually fluent now. Holy wow. Is I paused the TV show. It was Grey's Anatomy, by the way. Uh, I went to the bathroom and then I came back. And before I pressed play, I couldn't remember if I was watching the show in French or in English. Mm. So I knew that then the the lines were blurred. And I think ever since then, like the, the, the part of my brain that is responsible for English is pretty much the same or at least very close to the part of my brain that's responsible for French. I mean, you sometimes introduce words I haven't heard, which which I don't like admitting. Yeah. But I, I, I tend to think you probably have a better vocabulary of English than you know, the majority of Americans. I've, I've sure. had, I've had a few people tell me that. And, and, and I just, I just love 
I just love words and, and language. And it's the same in French, but it definitely has transpired in English too. And so why am I saying all this? Well, first off, because I'm very proud of my command of the English language and I wanted everyone to know about it. Let's <laughs> be real. Uh, but uh, no, but really is there was always a, it's, it's really weird if you think about it. I had no reason to learn English that, to that level, right? I had no reason. Um, well, and, maybe not at the time, but like yeah. when, when I look at it in retrospect, it seems, th- th- this seems like, your desk like your destiny that's the only the, the word that comes to mind for me is yeah like, and i think that's only recently that this is what i've realized it's like after i met you i realized oh my god if i didn't speak english the way i do we would never be able to have the relationship that we have yeah. it would never have happened uh because the level of communication that we have requires fluency it's yeah. like i know there are couples out there who are like you know i've 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 seen them but they probably don't have the same level of like line of communication that that we do, and I know that this is important for both of us. Like, yeah, this well, is in a, a really way, big... you built a bridge that allowed us allowed us to meet. Like without you having done that as a child, like and kind of paving the way, yeah, it just wasn't going to be possible for us. Yeah, and and I think that's what I'm realizing, in in even more so in the last few months, is that now that I'm living here. I'm realizing how crucial it was not only to have the uh, English proficiency, but also the understanding of the culture. Uh, and and that doesn't mean I understand everything. I think on some level, because I was so steeped in it by watching these TV shows, some of it is like internalized. Like I've, I understand the culture on a more like intuitive way. But some of some of the time, it's just I understand the culture from like a rational standpoint, like I can explain it but it doesn't resonate with me at all. Or I don't like, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a more of a kind of felt sense, like heart place. And so it's just really interesting as I've moved here to realize how this was all meant to be. And I had this realization recently when we were walking, we went on a hike in, in California and we were walking on, on the trail and the trees here, and like the the nature, it's very similar to France, where I grew up, but it's also, there's like a more wild feeling to it. And even in like pretty walked, pretty well, you know, walked thre- trails. But I just remember thinking like, this, this is the kind, this is the land of my heart. This is, this is where I was meant to to end up. And what's funny is even as a teenager, I never considered the possibility that I would one day live here. I remember having these thoughts that if I were to go to the US one day and I will go to the US one day, I will take three months off from work so I can really make the most out of my visa. And then I'll do a full on road trip throughout the entire US. And that's my life now. Yeah. And it's ongoing. <laughs> and it's like so bonkers. Like every so often I have conversations with my 15 year old self and she's like, are we really doing this right now? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess we are. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like we're just, it's, it's really baller is the only word that comes to mind. Um, One thing I think is also really interesting is I remember looking at a map once and I think that you were born in Reunion Island. No, I grew up in Reunion Island. You grew up in Reunion Island. You were <laughs> where, where was I born, Alistair? I don't know now. <laughs> was it was was it in the Marseille area? It's in Cannes. It's in where Cannes. The festival okay. happened. All right, so really blew that. Festival. Jesus, Alistair. now everyone knows. <laughs> 
he still doesn't know the password to enter my computer. <laughs> you spent your formative years in Reunion Island. Thank you. Yes. All right. Just wanted to be clear on the record. I love you. Yeah. Uh, yeah I love you too. I have a really bad memory, by the way. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should throw that out there. But anyway. It's, it, this is why I don't really fully get, I don't care. It's okay. So I grew up in Reunion Island, which is a small island of the coast of Madagascar. Yeah. I've looked at a map once and I, I think I put it in Google. It's like, what's the opposite place in the world from California? Mm -hmm. And it's the middle of the ocean, but it's, it, I think the closest place is Reunion Island. I know. You're literally, you're literally moving to the other side of the world, the exact opposite or almost exact opposite furthest place from where you grew up. Yeah. I find that fascinating. It, I think it's really cool that we both grew up on opposite sides of the yeah, world. Yeah, we live. <laughs> that, that's, that's great. Like, there's something really poetic about that. Yeah. I have yeah. to say. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I did spend a lot of time in France after, after that because we left Reunion Island when I was 12. So, but that's, that's true. That's a really good point to bring up. Um, so with that being said, this is kind of setting the scene of what's my, original relationship with this with this land and somehow the sense of fate or destiny and so I think something that has been really intense to integrate over the last few months is just that is like realizing that so much of my life has prepared me for now and you know like that that it's a really strange feeling to feel that you've done shit and you didn't know why but it was it was nice and it flowed and it was what you wanted to do and then there's a thing that happened and you're like that's why you did it mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's a there's an awe and like a a shock to to this like continual realization and it's taking me months to fully integrate that reality um and I don't know. There's also like, it's kind of reinforcing my faith in just life in general, that things are very well designed and uh, we just have to trust the design because it's, we don't understand. And sometimes if things don't make sense at one moment, well, there's a strong chance that it will make sense later on. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's like, I'm kind of, I don't know. It's, it feels like I'm dealing with a, it's like a, a paradigm whole, shift. Yes. I mean, it's a very different way of, thinking about what's going on here yeah yeah and and i think there's like a there's a feeling of like it's almost like i i can have conversations with that nine-year-old kid that i was and even before who was interested in learning languages but i remember also at first being like spanish english like what's more interesting like i had a little booklet and i and i there was a few there were a few different languages and i remember the booklet the way it looked and it's almost like it's gonna sound this is gonna sound crazy but i've actually i actually believe there's some something there that's true uh where it's like there's a hole in the time space continuum and it's almost like me from now could almost like kind of whisper in my nine-year-old ear like English. Yeah. It's English. Give up the Spanish. <laughs> You'll later on the Spanish. Don't worry about it. And so that's kind of a mind fuck. There's no other way to put it. It's a little bit of a mind fuck that I'm I'm a, I'm in a continual state of mind fuck for for the last couple of months. Um another thing that's definitely been on my mind and participating in the complexity of of being an immigrant for me is like the administrative process. And I don't 
I don't particularly want to get into all the nitty gritty details about it because I don't think it's very interesting, but it's, it's a hurdle. It's like, it's so much work. I'm, I'm having to prove so hard that I'm worthy of living here. And I think a, a while ago, I would have been a lot more upset about this. And now I'm just like, well, this is what it is. Nations, structures, you know, like I kind of have to fit a box and da, 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 da. And so I, I, I have some understanding and appreciation for it, but it's nonetheless extremely stressful. Um, I think this, this is just a moment in the show where I say, if you know anyone in your, uh, you know, environment in your community that is going through the immigration process, just, uh, I don't know, give them a call, send them, send them a text, tell them, tell them hi, just like let them know they're seen because it's really so hard. It's, it's hard on like a, you know, paperwork level, but then it's the waiting. I'm, I'm in the waiting right now. I've sent everything I needed and I'm just waiting for a sign from the U.S. government. And the, the main, the most important sign I'm waiting for is, uh, well, one, that things are progressing because I've filed six months ago and things are going much slower than expected and anticipated, even from like a usual, like the, the delays are extremely long right now because of everything that's going on. And all the while during this time, I cannot leave the country. So there is something really interesting to unpack there, which is like, I'm not only a foreigner in a foreign land, I'm a foreigner stuck in a foreign land. Like I can't leave. It's a big country. So thankfully, and I'm like mobile and moving through it. And so I get my, I don't know, my needs to travel are met, but it's also, there's something really um, kind of a lion trapped in a cage kind of feeling where, you know, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to circle back to this, but the, the most, the most challenging piece about this is that I haven't seen my family in a year and a half. And as of now, I have no idea when I'm going to see them. And, and, it, and yeah. coronavirus has made that even tougher because they can't, the ones that would can't come visit you yes, either. Yes. Cause right now things are still closed for Europeans to come into the U.S. I think things are shifting as of this recording. Maybe, maybe by the time it comes, the episode comes out, it'll be different, but there's just a level of uncertainty that's, uh, and, and it's like from the coronavirus travel restriction standpoint, but then also from the, I have no idea because the delays have been so wonky and different than what I've been told, I can't plan on anything. And so some days I just have to sit with the fact that, like I talk to my family and particularly to my mom every week. And I, it's terrible to have no, no news to tell her, like no ability to tell her, Hey, I got the news. I will be able to travel in February of 2022. Like, even if it was exactly, even if it was that far into the future, I would love to know. Like, even if they told me you won't be able to leave until two years in two years, that would be hard. But then at least I can be like, okay, I know the date. Right now, I don't know. And some days when I'm in the pit of despair, I'm like, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to see them again. It's awful, and they're going to forget about me. Yeah. <laughs> I guess collectively, you know it's kind of an interesting time to be having that experience because so many other people are also having that experience. It's yeah, not for yeah, the same yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember someone telling us that it's like an Australian woman 
and the guy's Amer- the guy's American and he they're engaged and they haven't seen each other for like 18 months. Yeah. So it's like okay, <laughs> I, you know, like it's nice to know that I'm not alone in this in this process and and it's definitely it is what it is. I've I'm learning to live with it, but it's definitely a big big challenge to not know when I'm going to be able to see my loved ones and also when I'm not when I'm going to be able to go and be in my home country again because man I do miss a good bowl of France you know like I just I have that, dreams of can you ju- order that yeah I would love to <laughs> but I, it, it would probably taste disgusting but like I, I <laughs> cigarettes cigarette buds yeah. and croissant and some coffee and so that's how that's how I imagine it but I I've honestly I've had more anticipated excitement about landing at the airport in Paris and then going to take the subway into town rather than hugging my mom. <laughs> like it's just that doesn't mean I don't, I want to hug my mom but I think there's a like my bones are yearning for for Frenchness, you know, and um I haven't spoken French to a French person in real life since we left Guatemala. And that was like almost a year ago. Yeah. It's imagine not being able to speak your mother tongue to someone that that speaks it too, that is a native as well in person. That's like, tr- try to sit with that for a sec. I feel like that's really hard. And I think this, this is kind of what leads me to this idea of being a foreigner in a foreign land. There's just so, there's something really incredible about it. And I remember your mom telling me this. Shout out, Karin. Uh, she told me this like a few years ago, right? Right? Like I think it was on my first trip to to the U.S. And she was talking about her experience being British, but having lived in the U.S. for thirty plus years. Mm. And she told me it's a really, it's really weird. It's really weird. And I was like, how so? And she said, well, when I go back to Britain, when I do weird things, they chalk it up to the fact that I've lived in the U.S. for 30 years. And then when I come back here and I do weird things, people chalk it up to the fact that I'm British. And it's like this, what I got out of it was this general sense of, you could look at it this way and then it's kind of like, oh, you can kind of do whatever you want. You always have an excuse. But at the end of the day, it's like you belong nowhere. You're in this weird, and you belong everywhere too. It's it's That's why it's so strange and I think it's like, that's what I've been feeling. It's, I'm not at home in my home country anymore. When I go back, and I'm sure when I will go back and like, hopefully soon, it'll feel really weird to to reconnect with, I don't know, how small the roads are or or like how different it is just, especially from the West Coast. Like the West Coast is so different, at least on the East Coast, I feel like there can be some similarities to Europe, especially in bigger cities like New York doesn't feel super foreign in some ways. But like California is so different. It's like you have to take your car to go everywhere. Like where I grew up and where I lived in France, there's a sense of like neighbor neighborhood where you, you walk to places. Right. Uh, so I feel like there's going to be so many things that are different, but also I'm going to show up and I'm going to be very different. So I'm not going to be totally French anymore. And yet when I'm here, I'm not really American. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's ex- exacerbated right now. Like that's particularly uh, visible right now and intense to navigate right now. But I also, and I think it will ease up, but I think it will never go away to some degree. Like 
I will never be fully American. And, and I will, I'm no longer completely just French. You have to be Julie Roxanne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, but seriously, I think that might, that's some of the, the benefit, like even of traveling, right? Like if you travel for extended periods of time and you, you, it starts to loosen up that national identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but I also think, like, it, I think my experience of that, maybe you can comment on it, is it loosens up that, that identification with being American as mm-hmm. like, or maybe over identification with it. Like, it's kind of like identifying, it's like taking on a lot of the collective, right? Like, to the point where, you don't exactly know who you are because you're kind of over-identified with, with your collective community in some ways, with, with being American or, or, or whatever. And you go and you see these other cultures and I feel like it loosens up that identity a little bit and it forces you to kind of explore the differences between those two cultures. And I think that process, ultimately, and one of the reasons why I'm a big fan of travel and one of the reasons why a lot of people are is that it helps you get to know who you are rather than like Alistair the American, it's like, it's more like, okay, I have, and it also helps you appreciate your heritage and what you've inherited from your country, but maybe not take it on as who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I tend to agree, but I also am noticing, like, I've never felt so French than in the last few months. I've mm. never identified so much with being French. And it's like, when people ask me where I'm from, I don't say I'm from France. I say I'm French. And it's weird because it's not like a, like, there's nothing like vindicative or, you know, like I'm not just trying to prove a point. I'm not trying to like, it's not conscious. I'm not just trying to build up this identity, but I think that there's a contrast game that's happening right now. And so because I'm not in France, I'm able to see all the... And and don't get me wrong. While this is a very intense period in my life, and there's a lot of emotions, and there's a lot of things to deal with, and uh, which I guess that's kind of always my life as an INFP. But um, I love that part of my life. I love the fact that I have one foot in each continent and one foot in each culture. And, and I can't even express to you how much I love that. Like... There's very few things that excite me more than exploring cultural differences and and like difference in heritage and and kind of like I see it as like a sense that people have, right? Like on a recent uh, retreat, one of the participants was from uh, kind of a Muslim descent. I think I, I can't remember which which country he said his ancestry was from, but he was born in the U.S., but I loved having him in the space because it was so, it reminded me of how present that is in France. Like there's a very big Muslim community in France and, and where I, where I spent a lot of my time, they're, they're very present that, that community is very present. And I just, it's almost like he was walking by and I could feel the essence of like all the things he was carrying as a result. And I think that's something I am. I'm loving that. And I'm loving that being here is forcing me to reflect on what it means to be French. And also, I think this is important to state, like, I'm Mediterranean before I'm anything else, right? Like, so I'm from Armenian descent. I have some Lebanese in there. My grandma's from Corsica and loves to tell people that she is. That's all she talks about. She has Alzheimer's and she barely remembers anything, but she remembers that she's from Corsica. 
No uh, problem. You I, know? I, 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 I like that you say you're Mediterranean before anything else because that gets back to the land yes. that you grew up on, right? Yes. Instead of like being French, that's a kind of a nation state, right? Or whatever. But yeah. when you say you're Mediterranean, like that, that, that really reflects like the action that, that suggests the environment that influenced who you are yeah. and, and, and how, how you are. Totally. And I think that's actually, that's actually really cool that you said it's the land you grew up on because it's not the land I grew up on. I grew up on a tropical island in oh, the middle true. of the Indian yeah. Ocean. But, but my point is culture and the way it, it influences our DNA and our heritage and our ancestors. That is, I think, what carries over the most, right? So there's like all these layers of added culture on top of it. So yes, I did grow up in a, in a, in a tropical paradise somewhere, but my family and my parents are from Mediterranean culture. And that was what was most prevalent in my life. Like, yeah, there were birds that were tropical around me when I was growing up, but at home, we were a Mediterranean household. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what I love a lot about being here. And one of the questions I love to ask about uh, to people when I'm, when I meet them is like, what's your ancestry? Because I feel like in America, some people will know, or some people will have a very like broad understanding because they've done like those DNA tests, but not a lot of people are able to tell you what their great grandparents were called or yeah. where they, or where they were, like where they spent their life. And that's, that's okay. Like we, like it's, it's life happens and we don't always know these things, but I just, I love knowing what's the strand that you come from, right? Like for instance, you have a strong German like your ancestors were German and they they moved to the U.S. and I can feel that sometimes you know from having spent time in Germany and I think other Germans can too because I've always had a strong connection with with Germans when I travel yeah yeah and and also this is why I love to uh I've always loved particularly in movies but I've also met people in real life like that but like Jews from the east coast I told we we get each other like I, there's something I know I understand like that's I think it goes back to that Mediterranean even though a lot of them come from more like Eastern Europe and so it's I love that I love being able to kind of like pull at these like tendrils and strands of of what makes us us um, and and that's why it's really special to be here in a country that is so filled with variety like it's melting pot right like the, it, and at the same time like as I integrate here I want to bring my heritage with me not forget about it because I think a lot of the time when we immigrate depending on the reasons why we immigrate we have to shy away like forget about our heritage or pretend like it's not there and integrate at all costs that, right like or that might be the motivation for moving in the first place to some degree. Yes, yes, yes. And and I think in my case, it's not. And so I'm trying to, I think that's one of the challenges for me along this, this road is how am I still myself? And who, first off, who is myself? Like what, what, what am I carrying as far as heritage and culture? And how do I cultivate that? But also without, without placing myself as an outsider forever and ever, right? Because to some degree, I want to 
integrate not just in the fabric of society here but with the land too and and i think you're talking about the it seems to me like you're kind of getting at the difference between fitting in and and kind of belonging yeah to to some degree right like you you want to you want to belong and that means including the aspects of you that you bring along right whereas fitting in might be you know denying or ignoring those Mm -hmm. or, or suppressing them i think it's an interesting question that you ask of like you know, what do I want to bring, right? And I think, because there's two sides of that, which is one, to some degree, I think you do get some conscious choice in that. Of what do you want to bring over from France, from mm-hmm. from Europe, from from your history? And then there's the other side of it, which is like, there's a lot of things you bring that you don't get any control over, right? Like, yeah. so, there's a lot of mannerisms or culture and stuff that's just baked into who you are, that yeah. like, that you've inherited and you don't really get to choose whether that comes with you or not. And you kind of have to make peace with those things and also learn to appreciate them and, and, and maybe only see them for the first time when you're, when you're in a different culture. Yes. Um, and so, I, yeah, that, that question's interesting to get to contemplate, like, what do I want to bring with me? Yeah. And I think like, or what am I bringing with me? Yeah. That's a better way to put it. And then there's a question of like, how do I, because I don't, I see how I feel around people who own their cultural differences or like who just carry them with not like again not with pride not with like a sense of you know like it's a clan and we have to you know I think ah. they, but they've integrated it with, yes. with the place that they're in yes and who where they came from they they're they're able to create like there's something massively creative about that yes. right and when you see it it's a gift yeah yeah I, I just those mannerisms you're talking about I love seeing them in other people so like I I feel like I tr- I I think it's teaching me how to love mine and mm-hmm. and what I'm bringing and instead of trying to kind of brush over and and integrate completely and and I don't know like for instance it's really funny I can't explain it but twice in this country I've had the opportunity of it's like I have a French radar and something perks up in me and like I scan the horizon and then I see someone and I'm like, I think that person's French. And, and the two times I was right. Like, but from like in Whole Foods or on the ski slopes, like it's not like I, I, I heard them or anything, but there's like a, there's something that people emanate and, and like, I, I want to be one of, I want to be that too all the while. Loving the fact that, like, for instance, that, and that's a, that's another big kind of mindfuck to contend with is that I speak better English than I speak French right now. That's really weird. And while I'm still a, you know, great French speaker, I can hear the sentences I say when I talk to my family and some of them don't make sense. Like, they understand what I'm trying to say because it makes enough sense but some of them are absolutely not grammatically correct like there's a there it's like no or or i'm making up words that don't exist but mm. and that's weird to get to that place where you are more at ease at expressing who you are in a language that is not the one you learned from birth yeah and a, a lot of the work that i've been doing this year especially since we arrived really like since the beginning of 2021 is I've, I'm really trying to be conscientious about getting on the phone with my family and talking to them about who I am and what I'm doing 
in French and trying to translate my life to them, which I think for a while I kind of glossed over or like, you know, uh, later or, oh, I don't think it's too much effort. I don't know how to do it. But I'm now noticing like, no, I need to be able to bridge that even for myself. Like, because I, I want to be able to, even though it, it's not happening all the time, it's pretty, it, it, it doesn't happen very often, but I'd like to be able to think in French and for it to make sense with the person that I am today. And, uh, and so it's a constant process of trying to remember. And I think that's also going to be beneficial when we have kids because I want to be able to talk to them in French. And if I don't try to cultivate that right now, it's easy to lose it. It's easy to just go with the easy way and raise your kids in the language that the household speaks and that the your country speaks, right? And so it would be really easy to not bring French to our children, especially as they grow up and where it's a lot more effort to continue to speak French when a lot of the time they're probably going to want to speak English and, and not respond in French. But but that's a, I think that's one of the things about, about this, and I've seen it with my mom as well, is it takes a lot of effort to, to kind of maintain or to preserve, to preserve that ancestry. Yes. Like it takes a lot of effort to be British in an American place and not just kind of, kind of blend it. But it also takes a lot of effort to then like kind of keep your ties with your, with your home country and the people that live there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I was traveling, when when I'm traveling, it's, it's exhausting and you can only do it so many times, right? Where, which is one of the reasons why this podcast has been a blessing um, at times is because it's a way I don't have to, it's a way that anyone who wants to know can, mm. can listen, I can kind of broadcast it instead of have to have, because trying to ex- explain what you're experiencing in a, in a different country, it's a lot, right? Yeah. Like, and, and it's a pretty intensive thing to do. So it can quickly happen. Oh, it's almost like the law of physics. Like, I, I don't know how to avoid it when you're in a different country and most of your family is in another country, it's kind of impossible to keep up with, with what you're experiencing. You're, yes. you're experiencing something very different. And what I've found in any, almost all relationships, you know, experience, what you, shared experience plays plays a big role, right? It's not the only role in a relationship, but, but shared experience or the lack of mm-hmm. is a big part of what can keep a relationship together or kind of put distance in between it. Yeah. I mean, even using the word distance there, I think is kind of, is, is kind of telling. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that I'm putting a lot of effort into and, and it's not always easy. Like I think it takes two people in a relationship to, to want to have continued shared experience and recognize the importance of it. And, uh, Sometimes the interactions can remain very superficial and, and there are definitely people in my family that I, I want to be able to go see because I can tell that not seeing them and not sharing real life experience. And for instance, not even having seen the house that they've lived in for a year, you know, like that's, they've moved and I haven't seen it. And that's one thing that I, that sometimes I find myself really uh, sad about is that I can do my very best, like send pictures and, and tell everyone what I'm doing and, and be very clear and specific about the experience and the emotional and the internal experience that I'm having. But 
For instance, I cannot wait for my mom to come here. She has never seen this place. And she doesn't know when I go for a walk in the neighborhood. She doesn't even, I can't, like, she can't picture it. If I tell her I went on a walk in the neighborhood. And, and man, I've always found that to be so important. When people tell me about a story, I always want to know the details of the space around, especially if I know it, because then I can understand the story better. And, and like, my mom doesn't even, like, it's a very different experience to walk in a shop here, like in a, in a store, right? Like Whole Foods doesn't feel the same as any of the uh, French stores. And so I would love for her, like, it's so weird, but sometimes I just want her to come and take her to Whole Foods and have her walk around the block with me. Those are the two things. It's like, yeah, she, we could go see Yosemite. Sure, let's go see the jewel. But the reality is my day-to-day -day life, she has no concept for in terms of her own experience. I can do my best to convey it, but she doesn't know because she's never been here. So there's something and, really difficult about yeah, that. Yeah, because it's alienating you from your homeland at the same time that you are a non-resident alien yeah. in, in, in this country. So you get it both ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the the maybe one one place to sort of wrap up or end this this just me sharing the experience of of being a foreigner emigrating. You know, we we've we kind of touched we've kind of said it, but it's just really there's something really um interesting about the challenge of remembering my roots because sometimes it feels like it's slipping away. And it's like a balance. It's a constant balance of, I don't want to forget, but I also don't want to, you know, be that weird ass French person who just talks about being French all the time, you know, like, and I know to some degree the balance, I can't strike it right all the time. And I'm going to sway and it's over time that things are going to add up to a balanced relationship to this. But yeah, it's, it's really difficult to, It's like a constant work to not forget. There's something like the, the, the idea of forgetting comes up a lot for me because in my case, as I haven't seen my family in so long and I'm living somewhere so different that they don't really know or relate to except through me and what I say and what they're willing to hear. Uh, there's always a sense that they're going to forget me or, and, and then there's a sense that am I going to forget them? And am I going to forget my my uh, my heritage and what I've learned and what I think is important to to bring with me? But if I spend too much time away from the crib where that heritage lives, does it diminish it or like is it you know is it is it harder to keep it? Uh, can I be a, a healthy French American matriarch? What does that even mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. And, and so that's like the, I think this, this was my intention with this episode is just to talk about, I, I don't, I don't mean this conversation to be like a, oh man, look at like, just, just know this is really hard. It's not, it's not really hard. It's, it is what it is. And there's some absolutely moment, there's moments of sheer beauty and, and meaning and, and, awe in this process and and then there's moments of like emotional challenges and turmoil and and feeling uh alien but uh, but it's i'm not in a bad place i'm in a really good place it's just 
I wanted to give a, a, a piece of view into what this, what's going on inside, because I, I think it's easy to not talk about it. And I think there's a lot of value in understanding, even for all of us, right? Like to some degree, everyone in America is an immigrant. And like, while... Uh, and if we, if we didn't go through this, our ancestors did. Yes, Yes. And I think just having appreciation and understanding for, for that process, which can go a long way in, in healing our relationship to our ancestors and to the land and, and to who we are and reflecting on our culture and, and how it's showing up through us. I don't know. I, I'm kind of fascinated with it. So I hope this was valuable. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, people out there. I love you. Um, I, have a, I have a similar experience about being a foreign, foreigner in a foreign land, but I think it's just been my whole life. I've never <laughs> felt <laughs> like, like, like I, I belong where I am. Like there's something I've always felt a little alien. Yeah. But that, I think that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we should probably talk about that at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it always felt a little strange. Yeah. But thank you for sharing what you're going through. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's touching and and uh, it's been very. It's been quite an education as an American to watch you go through this process and realize how how challenging it is, even in a fairly easy situation, right? Where you're from France yeah. and you're moving to America Because and I'm you already know the language yeah. and you're married to an American yeah. and you have a loving family on both continents. I know. And yet it's still such a challenging, uh, kind of heart-wrenching experience and like a real big, like, I think, question of like, who am I, right? Like mm -hmm. asking, and, and some of that being rejiggered uh, around. And, and it also gives me appreciation Well, it gives me appreciation for everyone who's done it. It also gives me appreciation and, and just maybe more an awareness of how difficult it really... You know, we, we live in this world where we can travel almost anywhere. And it feels like, especially as an American, it feels like pretty free movement. Yeah. But that's not the case with a lot of people. And it's actually really hard yeah. to live here. Yeah. Like, I, I, I take that for granted, how, mm -hmm. how hard it is to live here. Um, and it's also often not that, you know... Every country is different, but as an American, we can live other places pretty easily. Yeah, uh, that's not a that's not always reciprocal. In yeah. a lot of cases, it's not. And I think it's been a little eye opening. You know, you hear about it, and, and we talk about immigration all the time, but it's been a little eye opening to watch you go through the process and and just and see, you know, in some ways how hard it is to become American. Or, or to be, a, or even just to be a resident. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm shooting for yeah, right that's now. What shooting. <laughs> I'm just a residency. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Alistair. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode, you know the drill. Yeah. The first thing you can do is become a patron over at Patreon.com/slash/TheFarOutCouple. Financially supporting this podcast. It keeps it going. It's really, really helpful for us. We also we, have a one-time donation PayPal link in the show notes at thefarout.life. Yeah, if that's more your deal, go there. We're fine. We're fine with it. Yeah, we'll we're fine. It. We'll take money however we can get it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second way you can support this podcast is by sharing it with a friend, someone who might appreciate this conversation. 
Um, that is always appreciated. And the third way is by leaving a review over at Apple Podcasts. We haven't had one for a while, so be a hero this week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll read it out loud on the next episode yeah. or one of the next episodes. Yeah. yeah. All right. We love you. We'll we see you next you. week. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.